Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden is praising U.S. intelligence workers while also warning them not to underestimate Chinese President Xi Jinping. He is deadly earnest about becoming the most powerful military force in the world, as well as the largest and most prominent economy in the world. Today, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin clarified the Pentagon's position. We don't seek, uh, you know, a conflict with, with China. We recognize that we will compete. So we're going to talk to Mike Lyons a little bit about uh, China and other things. Mike Lyons is our go-to military analyst, served with all kinds of military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career, um, was commander uh, during Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, awarded the Bronze Star for his actions in combat, also has a Bachelor of Science degree from uh, West Point, and we love talking to him about all things military. Mike Lyons, welcome to the show. Hi, Jack. Great to be back with you. You know, before we get into the details of uh, the military stuff, and it's more that's more technical and things you can predict. How much of uh, how much of military strategy is trying to read somebody's personality, like President? I shouldn't even call him President, Dictator Xi, and trying to figure out is he the kind of guy that would try to move on move on Taiwan or not? Yeah, no, it's you know rational leader theory. It happens all the time in foreign policy, and, and how diplomats try to uh, you know when they put together their deals. So, but from the military's perspective, you have to consider all possibilities. From the worst possible thing, as he launches a first strike nuclear attack, to he sits back and does nothing and lets us uh, basically wind up our military and put it into position where it can do something. So, the military's got a tougher job because it, again has to take in all those scenarios where when you're Sitting across the table as a diplomat, you, you just have to look at it and say, well, is he rational? Is he going to be rational and try to negotiate from there? Are you comfortable making a read on him, or are you not comfortable without having more information? Oh, no, I think he's definitely very aggressive moving forward. I mean, what he's done in the South China Sea in the past five years, he's you know built missile bases. He didn't build condos. He's not moving people out there into those places. Uh, another report came out in the New York Times that shows uh, nuclear sites and some of their deserts uh, in, in, the, in the western part of China that will clearly threaten Europe. The, these ICBMs fundamentally can, be, can hit the United States. Um, they need to be part of any future Russia-U.S. nuclear proliferation uh, you know, treaty uh, that, 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 have, that have since expired right now. I mean, there's real threat that, uh, that there's an arms race taking place, and it's not just the U.S. and Russia. It's not the U.S. and China and Russia. Well, since you brought up Russia, and we'll get back to China in a second, uh, they announced last week that they've got a supersonic weapon that, 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 that they say our, our uh, technology can't stop, a missile mm-hmm. and a new plane that uh, matches our best stuff. Are you worried about that? I, no, I'm not. I mean, those are kind of fire once, and, and in some ways fire and forget. Um, the, the, none of them are really end-of-the-world weapons. I mean, the existential threat still remains. The 1,500 nuclear-tip warheads that could be fired from uh, their their launch sites inside of Russia, uh, they could decide to move their people into to bunkers to try to prevent anything that would happen on, on the way back if we decided to respond. The, exe- the existential threat is really... That, as opposed to any kind of one, one or two one-off weapons they might create, it might create havoc or so, and we'll eventually come up some way to, to fight against it. But it can't be mass-produced, and it won't be something that will affect over the long run. Mike Lyons, military analyst. So back to China. It troubled me. I was watching the opening ceremony of the Olympics with my son, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't call Taiwan Taiwan in the Olympics. They call it the right. Chinese Republic of Taipei 
or something like right. that. And I thought, wow, so the world bends over backwards to uh, to go with the language that China wants because they don't consider Taiwan a country. Yeah, the more you see things out there and project that this is where this great um, you know nation battle is going to take place. Um, there, there was a recent war game that took place but last year against us versus China over Taiwan. It took place well into the future 10 years. And we got our butts kicked in it. And, uh, you know, again, war games are, you know, it happens all the time. And it's not that not that big a deal in some ways. But what's the big deal is that they release the results of it. Usually these are, you know, class, mm. you know classified and they keep these things in close hold. Um, and that's because we kind of fought the normal way we normally fight. And that's we kind of wind up our military. You know, you look at the last two wars. We wound up, you know, with Desert Storm, we took five months. We brought all the troops there, even in Iraq. We wound up, we brought all the troops there. China's not going to let any of that happen. China's going to come after us initially, first with a cyber attack that will knock all our command and control out. And then they'll, they're going to go after our carriers. They'll go right after our Navy right away. So this was no match in this war game that took place in the air force run it and, and maybe you know they didn't you know, lean towards the navy like they should have but but i think there's no question china's going to fight differently than anyone we haven't seen since you know really the second world war wow that is troubling stuff so i take in a lot of podcasts about this stuff and um it seems to me that the biden administration uh, the obama administration kind of tried it and trump tried it and then biden's going further with it uh, just like saying okay the hell with the Middle East, we got to focus on China. And so getting into position, like you call it winding up, um, getting mm-hmm. into position so that there's a deterrent that China won't, the, the best way to win the war, the battle for Taiwan, is to make it clear to China that it wouldn't be easy to do. So we're, we're trying to focus that direction. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, exactly. There's an article written by a congressman out talking about, you know, prepare now for this war that's going to take place in, in the Pacific. It's not theory. I mean, it's really going to be. And, you know, again, in Desert Storm and in the first Iraq, we wound up. We had the ch- opportunity to move hundreds of thousands of troops to the region. Um, they did nothing. I'll tell you a quick story. We were in August of, of 1990, we were sitting in a conference room watching the 24th Infantry Division come off their boats, uh, their ships, and, and being deployed inside of Saudi Arabia, had the Iraqis attacked them and destroyed that division while they were in the port, basically, um, the, whole, the Middle East looks completely different. It would have taken, some, they say, four years to get back a foothold on wow. them. So they, they just didn't do anything, and that's the point. The Iraqis had that capability but they just I, I, call it guts, call it whatever you want to do it. But the Chinese will. The Chinese will do that. They'll they'll go after. They'll sink a carrier with five thousand sailors on it and go on to the next one. They won't think anything of it. And I think that's that's the difference between this enemy versus previous enemies we've had over the past thirty years. Wow, and their ability with their population and just their uh, the, the, their attitude, their nationalism, uh, their ability to uh, absorb losses is something right. unlike you know certainly anything that the Western powers would do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the first attack comes cyber. They're going to blind us. They'll shut our command and control down. That where, where this war game failed was they did that, and we have a lot of joint things. We have a lot of sexy technology that kind of connects a lot of dots, and you know, it, it, you find a target in one side of the battlefield, and it allows that to be communicated to the the group that's over there. Well, if you shut the, all that stuff down, and that side doesn't see it. Um, then the threats are just they just keep magnifying, and that that's what this war game showed. And, and again, the fact that they released this tells me that they're concerned about it um, and that they're going to start moving and changing certain things and, 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 and bring different people in, different leaders in, because we're going to have to fight a very different war, likely within the next 10 years. And I hate to say that. i got a son in the Navy. Believe me, I'm not, I'm not looking to advocate for this. No. 
but this is what this is what the world is as it's currently is outlined and and who knows maybe we won't even fight for taiwan when the time comes who knows when who knows what the exactly wow. our people do yeah and that the world would look different the the day we make that decision yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we want to be this Pacific power. We want to be this uh, power. We're going to have to reallocate a lot of those resources towards the strategic weapons. We're going to have to do better in space. We're going to have to become more resilient in our in our cyber, and and we're going to have to have um, a navy that's going to be able to protect airfields and protect its carriers from what's going to be a very nasty Chinese threat of, of missiles and all kinds of uh, technology that they have that other our enemies didn't have in the past. It's so hard to wrap your head around, I think, for most people, the idea of a country attacking us. It's just it's been so long and it's been so unlikely most of everybody's lives that uh, mm-hmm. it, it just seems like, well, nobody would ever do that. We're the big bad, you know, we're the, we're, we're the big bad bully. Nobody would ever do that. But time will come. I mean, the history of the world is the history of the world. And the time will come when somebody takes a shot. Yeah, Jack, and you're right. And, and, and the bottom line is this is still an away game for us, right? I mean, we still have to deploy all these resources, eight, nine, 12 time zones from, from here in order to get that done. Um, and, and But the Chinese, again, are, are, are the type that could do that and could reach us here in the U.S. and could reach us on the West Coast and the East Coast and wow. go after our cities. Are, are we willing to trade off Taiwan for New York City, for Atlanta, for Los Angeles, San Francisco? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what an American president does. We, we made bad assumptions in this in this war game. We didn't assume that they would nobody would use nuclear weapons. I think that's a bad assumption. It's a good, the movie Midway has got a great example of what happened. Was the Japanese tried to G2 and figure out what was going to happen at Midway before, and they made – the Japanese American side fight a certain way, and they fought. They didn't fight the way the Americans were going. To, they wanted to fight because they were losing, and they, they just didn't want to see it that way. And that's the question here. We have to become much more open as to what what's the realm of possibilities and be ready for that uh, that scenario. Man, that's fascinating stuff. I'm just the kind of guy I could talk to you about that all day long. But we are out of time, Mike Lyons. Yep. We always appreciate your time. We'll link your Twitter account to ours, and uh, people should follow you. Great, Jack. Thanks very much. Good Thank you. Yeah, it, it, you talk about something that we can't imagine. We just can't imagine that another country would actually ever use nuclear weapons. Well, it's going to happen someday, and you have to be prepared for it. And you know, every indication from Winnie the Pooh over there in China is that he's hell bent on, on you know becoming the dominant force in the world. Uh, what's the old saying when somebody you know tells you who they are, believe them, that sort of thing, or shows you who they are, believe them? That's what she's doing. He's showing, he's telling everybody, he's showing the world who he is. We need to believe him anyway. Uh, I believe Joe Getty is going to join the program coming up, which is very exciting. Um, uh, And we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Simone Biles out of the individual competition in the Olympics. So it wasn't just the team thing. She's just done. She's passing on the opportunity to cement herself as the greatest gymnast of all time because she's uh, her head ain't right, among other things to discuss. All in the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If he lies, um, have to get back into some of the statistics around uh, masking and COVID and everything like that, just because uh, the the government's going full speed ahead on you. You got to wear a mask indoors if you're vaccinated, and counties and states and schools and everywhere are starting to adopt it. And it's just, yeah, it's it's nonsensical. Our next guest is uh, 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 Joseph Getty, who we welcome to the program. He is the co-host 
of a fabulously successful radio show heard on 60 stations around this country called the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to the show, Joe Getty. Good morning, friends. I'm sorry I missed the Mike Lyons interview. Uh, Hanson told me off the air he made shocking revelations or statements or something. Um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. It, we did a war game thing about Taiwan, and it, we failed miserably. Uh, the oh, joint boy. and the Joint Chiefs released this information. He said that is um, un, uh, not the sort of thing that usually happens. That if we uh, don't do well in the war games, we usually keep it to ourselves. He thinks there's got to be a reason that they 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 announce this just to like let everybody know, hey, this isn't this is this not only is this not going to be easy, we would lose right now. You know, some of it might be to get more funding. Some of it might just be to wake up the American people. Hey, we're not invincible. Yeah, I, I think those last two possibilities are absolutely likely. You know, they depend on civilian leadership to get them what they need. And yeah, it's always a difficult call since everybody always wants more funding in the military industrial complex, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah, I believe it. So uh, Simone Biles is uh, out of the individual competition. We uh, had suggested yesterday that maybe she took the individual competition more seriously than the team. And she was, but nope, she's done. Yeah, you know, I I happened to be watching uh, part of the press conference before I wandered out here to the garage where I'm talking to you from, um, and uh, and she made statements about taking care of herself and how important it is and blah blah blah. Then she says, "I think bowing out just shows what a strong competitor I am." That's an interesting statement. Um, and and uh, with all due respect, I'm not sure I get that. Yeah, well, so I was I I opened the show talking about. There's some sexism going on here, and uh, and you know, and I'm fine with it. I, I have no need to beat up on Simone Biles, but you know, we're regularly told you got to treat women exactly this. They're every bit as tough as men. We got to treat them the same as men. So I'm looking at the USA Today front page Biles. I have to do what's right for me, and then two different articles. Some things are more valuable than gold about her dealing with her mental health, and then it's brave and simply human to protect yourself is the other article. You're going to tell me that's the way the world would react. If if Tom Brady, during the halftime of the Super Bowl, had told his teammates, look, just all this pressure of being called the greatest of all time and, you know, the whole world watching, I just, I just, it's just too much for me. You think everybody would be talking about he did the right thing, the self-care, the importance of, more important, no, he'd have been ridiculed and mocked endlessly for there being be weak. <laughs> there would be a headline in every paper with print the size of War with Japan that says, he quits or yeah. I quit or LeBron James fourth quarter just says everybody calls me the goat and it's just the pressure of being the greatest of all time I can't handle it and again I'm not saying I don't want to mock Simone Biles but you got to admit she's getting treated different because she's a young woman than if she was a dude yeah and I think there's probably history of abusive factors in there but you know maybe this is a moment worth having you know, as as a, a human, a husband, a son of a, a mother, a, a brother of a sister, I raised two girls. Here's a shocking revelation for you. Women are different than men. You can't say that. You can't say that. Ah, ah, canceled. You can't say that. Canceled. Women are the same as men in every single way. In, yeah. uh, birthing humans. I mean, they're all exactly the same. Yeah, my thoroughly male ass they are. So, you know, if if this is a moment where we can say, okay, you know, her head works a little differently than Tom Brady's does, and that's fine. And, hey, you know what? The women are different than fellas, and, and we can all accept that, and it's not an insult. Yeah, I, I, just know, it's, I, just, good, yeah, I just think it's odd. 
you know, after uh, endless for the last couple of years, doing away, stop using gendered language. We're not supposed to admit there's a difference, that there's any difference between men and women, that there's not any difference between men. And so then the USA Today with clearly a different way of handling it. How about if it had been Michael Phelps? I don't know if they'd have gone with uh, the, 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 the Tom Brady, LeBron James scenario I had laid out earlier of like jokes, but they'd have called him a head case. Like, man, he is, he's crazy. How about that dude? He has got some problems. And nobody is going like that direction with her. Well, yeah, it's, it's a kid glove thing. I mean, even like Michael Phelps, they would be asking him, what's the problem specifically? What, what are you talking about, your mental health? Yeah. Why would you walk out at the dawn of the greatest blah, blah, blah? I'm not saying it's wrong. Just let's recognize why it's right, if it's right. The, one you know, line the, the from the the one line from the USA Today article is something's more valuable gold. This might be her most powerful performance ever. So <laughs> they're actually raising it up to something to admire, which again, I don't have any problem with that, but you wouldn't treat a dude the same way. Well, and for those old enough, you know, when Roberto Duran was getting pummeled by was it Sugar Ray Leonard? Yeah. Or I can't when and he said no mas. I mean, he was getting hammered in his abdomen over and over again and said, I'm done. My body's too beat. I can't take anymore. He was mocked. I mean, he's weak and a quitter. Right. So, again, if different treatment is warranted, let's be honest about it and talk about why. Fantastic. It's a teachable moment is what it is. I give Joe Getty the gold medal for teachable moments. Good Lord, I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I hope you wear a mask indoors today, wherever you are. I will not. You have to. You have to. It's coming to a county near you. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. to handle the January 6th hearings hearing that is going on this week that started yesterday. That's something we've been discussing because it's a, a pretty controversial topic, hot topic. But man, some of the testimony yesterday for the worst of the violence was amazing. Let's, uh, I've got a couple of comments on it and an interesting angle that I hadn't thought about um, that Nancy Pelosi might be trying to dodge uh, a, a question about. I'll get to that in just a second. But first, this uh, report of Fox News from Chad Pergram on uh, how it went down yesterday. Chilling testimony from police. They tortured me. <laughs> Officers thought they were going to die. They beat me. Until Officer Michael Fanone, tased by rioters and suffering a heart attack, pleaded with his attackers. Well, I yelled out that I have kids. Officers say horrors of the riot haunt them. That they continue to be a constant trauma for us literally every day. One officer thought there should be consequences for who's responsible. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. So that, I guess they mean the hitman is Trump. See, I'm not as convinced that Trump ordered the people to go there as he seems to be. Although, um, you know, I think there's going to be more testimony to come as to what Trump's attitudes were during the riot. But staying away from that and just focusing on the people that were there and beating on cops and trying to kill them, just just absolutely awful. Let's hear a little more from Officer Fanone, who um, he was off duty, by the way. He just heard on his radio that they were getting overwhelmed there at the Capitol. He went over on his own. 
and ended up being in a multi-hour fist fight, outnumbered 50 to 1, and not just outnumbered, but outweaponed uh, 50 to 1, trying to hold the line long enough that the politicians inside to get could get to a safe place. Because I, I, I've always believed this. I still believe it today. Some of those people had got in, had gotten a hold of Nancy Pelosi, would have killed her. I really believe that. Anyway, here's more from Officer Fanon. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. Yeah, um, so... I see the text and the emails. I know a lot of you uh, don't believe that the January 6th riot was a big deal. The politicians who are saying that it was no more than a, a normal tour of the Capitol, it looked like tourists to them, that's just an out-and-out lie covering up some awful things that were going on there. They were trying to beat police to death so that they could get in and kill politicians to stop them from doing what they are constitutionally ordered to do. I that is what happened that day and nothing will ever change my mind there are hours and hours and hours and hours of video to show that that's what happened uh Joe Getty joins us on the Armstrong and Getty program Joe I second the motion I just I don't understand people's need for utter incredibly oversimplified worldviews we good we good they bad they bad I mean, I just, I don't get it. You know, the fact that the people holding these hearings are utterly morally bankrupt, lying hypocrites. I mean, yep. Adam Schiff, I mean, just come on. I I was going to get into that. That's what I was going to get into. Andy McCarthy wrote a piece uh, from the National Review uh, about how Nancy Pelosi, you know, he's saying from a Democrat perspective, she ruined a great opportunity. If you're just looking at the politics of this, because that testimony yesterday was striking, but she, she ruined it by not allowing a couple of Republicans to be on there to make it, make it look more political and for having loser Adam Schiff on there. Right. I mean, if she had selected the most moderate of Republicans, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, of Democrats, I mean, they're barely Democrats at all. And you see the footage of the people trying to beat the cops to death and the rest of it. It would have had enormous moral power. But she undermined it completely by having, you know, these just despicable humans on the panel. You can't take it seriously. Uh, yeah. And then there's so there's one more angle to this. I want to get this is something Jim Jordan brought up on Brett Barry yesterday. And I actually wonder about this myself. It was a terrible day, and the people who did wrong need to be held accountable. And, Brett, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, the real question is, and I've said this many times, is why weren't those guys who testified today and all the other Capitol Hill police who protect this and protect Capitol Hill, why weren't they given more help? Why wasn't more help there that day? And the only person who can answer that question is the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. And I think she thought we were going to keep raising that question, and that's why she didn't put me on. So this is the first wow. time I've considered this. Um, maybe Trump and Pelosi both misjudged that crowd. Trump thought, yeah, this is going to be great. This is, this is going to be a lot of people there, a lot of shouting and chaos and everything like that, showing how people are standing up for me. This is going to be great. And it got out of hand. I got to believe Trump is not cool with people trying to beat police to death or hang Mike Pence. 
But on the other hand, I wonder if Nancy Pelosi thought, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Those nuts are going to go over to the Capitol and make a giant mess of everything, and the whole world's going to see what Trump supporters are actually like. And she didn't think it was going to go that far. So she didn't want to get the overwhelming force over there to, to stop it from happening. She wanted a dust-up because she thought it would look bad. I think you're absolutely right on that guess. And and what struck me from that clip in particular, before I forget, was you certainly can't have somebody on the panel saying, it was a terrible day, and those who did wrong need to be held accountable. Well, what? I thought he was this dangerous right-wing lunatic. That sounds like him saying, yeah, the ugliness needs to be looked into and treated uh, harshly. So, yeah, but you can't have him on there. Oh, those those people who had the cops down and were beating on them and trying to get their weapon, those people are lunatics. You dumb bastards. <laughs> Mr. President, now is not the time. Yeah, yeah, just absolute savagery. And, uh, yeah, it's, and it's shocking what humans can do when they're in a whipped-up mob. Yeah, mob mentality. There might not be anything more frightening than mob mentality. I would agree. Actually, Rand Paul and his wife were talking about that recently. Yes, they were discussing the fact that nobody's been prosecuted for them getting jostled and screamed at and threatened. Um, I'm not sure how you would find those people, honestly, but... Um, yeah, they. Uh, she described it, m- the lovely Mrs. Paul, as there was no humanity in their eyes. I was trying to explain to them. Rand wrote the Breonna Taylor Act, the reform and policing thing, and they just screamed for blood. You know, the voice of reason against the howling mob. It's an old, uh, old saying. And the crowd on the left, from from what I remember of that, mostly thought it was kind of funny that Rand Paul had to fear for his life when he got surrounded by oh, that yeah. crowd. So, well, there it, was great mirth. There was encouragement of it on lefty Twitter. So, yeah, there's your moral high ground. Yeah, folks. I think we have been, you know, I'm going to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I think we have been completely consistent on this from the very beginning of you can't allow people to commit political violence. And no matter what, and we left or right or anybody, you just can't do that. You let that genie out of the bottle and it gets out of control really, really fast and when when uh when people making that point are accused of whataboutism which i think is just a stupid term you know well you're just saying what about them and excusing no that's not an excuse for the riots it's a general principle you cannot allow political violence whether they're tearing down a statue a mob in the middle of the night or whether they're trying to let a federal building on fire in, in, in Portland and attacking police, or whether they're attacking cops, and you just can't allow political violence. Period. How complicated is that? You know, I was just going to say, who could not wrap their mind around that thought? It is it's perfectly simple and perfectly true. And yet, for some reason in these times, uh, people feel the need to twist themselves into rhetorical and illogical knots to excuse one and condemn the other. But anyway, a bunch of punks. I think it's pretty interesting. Andrew McCarthy writing this piece, and he's with the National Review, and he actually wrote a long essay right before the election on why you should vote for Trump, right? So he's a Trump guy. But he thought that the the, the video yesterday was just horrifying and that these people need to be prosecuted to the fullest. And this can be. But he also thinks that uh, Nancy Pelosi really squandered a political opportunity by booting um, particularly Jim Jordan off and making it look like, uh, you know, it's a, a partisan well, I almost said witch hump, but we don't want to use that term. Uh, it's been overused. A, a partisan affair. Because he says if Jim Jordan 
in 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 the light of that testimony in those videos, if he had come out and tried to downplay any of that yesterday, it would have oh man, that would have been a clunker. That would have rung hollow, and I think Jim Jordan knows that that would have not worked. So, oh, right. so, so they she, can't even. There's no no even appearance of having the moral high ground. It's just completely ruined. No, so so Nancy Nancy Pelosi lost all her political heft with this. If you want to make it about politics, it's just a shame. It's a shame all the way around. Uh, everybody overthinks these things. Everybody tries to score political points. Nobody's trying to do just just get down to the basics. You'd think that you could get together enough. Um, uh, moderate Republicans and Democrats that we'll all agree, we all agree we can't have this happen again. This can't occur again no matter what. But apparently we can't do that. The president's senile. Our Olympians quit. Goodbye, sweet America. <laughs> These are dark times indeed. Boy, so what's our swimmer gal that's uh, supposed to be so dominant? Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky, and she did win a gold. A couple, she's won a couple of golds. But she one race that she was supposed to win, she finished fifth last night. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, and like a, a second, I, I didn't see that. I saw her win the fifteen hundred, which is like swimming from here to Omaha. Yeah, it's quite an event. Yeah, well, it's the first time they've ever had that, uh, and she won it. But uh, one of her strongest races that she's won, it's the first time she'd been beaten in forever. She finished fifth. She was actually seventh at the last turn and swam her way into fifth place. But she she looked like confused when she got done. Like, what the hell happened? Um, so I don't know what's going on there. We're it's, I don't know. It's a, we're still in first place with the medals because we're America, and uh, you know, plenty of time to come back with the track and field and everything like that. But one of our fastest women got booted for smoking the ganj. Um, I, I don't know. I don't Maybe know. Katie couldn't activate her glutes. Could uh, she activate her glutes? I don't know, but that would be weird if you're if you're expecting to win. And you're like way behind everybody. I mean, I, she's had to be able to see in the pool that man, there's like six people ahead of me. <laughs> oh, well, a rough day at the office. We've all had them. Yeah. So, what do you what do you got going on today? Is that a secret? Uh, no, not at all. I'm uh, I'm in beautiful Monterey, California, on a uh, annual golf trip with a bunch of friends. Uh, just arrived last night. Uh, was probably overserved. Oh. <laughs> But I'm bouncing back. We're heading for the golf course in, in just a few minutes. And, Overserved uh, on food yeah. and drink? Oh, uh, yes, actually. Huh. Yeah. There you go. It's so funny how that happened. Well, I get here at 3.30, and somebody hands me a glass of wine. 3.30 in the afternoon. For people listening around the country, Monterey, uh, the Monterey Peninsula there, around there, is where some of the best golf courses in the world are. It's stunningly beautiful. I mean, I remembered how beautiful it was, but I kind of didn't remember. It's 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 just mind-boggling how pretty it is. Are you playing Pebble Beach? Um, I am not. I am playing. Uh, I think I don't think there's any problem with saying this. I, I have a friend, an old friend, who is a member at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. Okay, which is right next door to Pebble Beach and is spectacular. It's it's two golf courses. And so uh, there. And uh, you got to be somebody to be there, right? Because somebody like you. Uh, not really. Um, he's, he's a fine fella. He just he's been a member for a very long time. Do people and, have uh, to refuse to look at you? Is it one of those places? Like uh, they don't want to look at me. No, the servants. <laughs> servants have to avert their eyes and all that sort of stuff. Oh, generally they say good morning and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you hang out or what century, but here in America. <laughs> We treat people as equals. Uh, I just finished reading The Great Gatsby. I know how you're supposed to treat people like that. Hey, uh, Jack, yeah. I got a clip of Joe at the course. Okay. Who do you think you are? I am. There you go. <laughs> Joe, after he sings a putt. I my tee shot on the first hole. 
God, I remember I played I played Pebble Beach once, and I played Pebble Beach uh, in 1983. Uh, so that was a long, long time ago. And back then, it cost, if I remember, it was like 80 bucks. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> and so it wasn't that much, but it was still really, really cool. I was so nervous about that first tee shot because, um, mm. you know, there, there's oh, people. Oh, yeah, everybody is. It's it's terrifying. Well, there's people teeing off every, I forget, how, every 10 minutes all day long, year-round pretty much. And uh, and there's a lot of people watching, and I was so nervous. But I hit a good one. I'll always remember. I, 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 hit, I hit a good shot as I'm ever going to hit, so I was very happy with that. I was really not Excellent. wanting to dribble it off, dribble it off the tee box there at Pebble Beach with people staring at me. I think I would have just taken my clubs and gone back to the car and sat into the car until my until my friend got done. You know, uh, the the second time I played Pebble, I yank hooked the ball. That means I just I pulled it and then a curve left. It left the field. It was still rising when it went out of bounds. There was an employee over there. He picks it up. He hurdles it into the fairway. He says, "Good kick." Wow, cool. Yeah. I believe it's within the rules of golf that the ball is in play. And, and then so you told him to avert his eyes. Don't speak to me. <laughs> I, I didn't have to. He was staring at his <laughs> shoes humbly. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, a couple of more Olympic notes for you and some other news to get into. We thank Joe Getty for joining us. He is off to uh, – do you drink while you play golf? No. no. I, I used to, but I don't anymore. It's, it's, I'm it's just drunk. Well, aren't you a grown-up? <laughs> All right. That takes all the fun out of it. The, the stories would be much better. better than if you, the stories would be much better if you drank while you played golf. And you got a lot more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wealthy Democratic donor Ed Buck has been convicted on nine federal charges relating to a pair of fatal overdoses at his West Hollywood home. Prosecutors say Buck paid homeless men, frequently African-Americans, to use drugs and engage in sexual acts and then often injected them personally. Each of the charges resulted in death, carrying a maximum sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. It's a big L.A. story. He's a big L.A. Democrat donor and uh, and a weirdo when it comes to the bedroom, apparently, wanting to uh, drug up dudes, random dudes, and have sex with them, and, and regularly them dying. And that didn't seem to, like, uh, put a damper on his party that they died sometimes. What a weirdo. Anyway, he's going to jail. Good. Uh, Got to tell you about the latest masking situation. It's I really thought... It was 75 days ago that the CDC said you can ditch your masks if you've been vaccinated. Yeah, well, apparently not so much as they completely changed course yesterday. More on that in just a second. Crime's up. Uh, our, our belief that crime is up is sky high, and it's because crime is up. <laughs> and uh, now is a better time than ever to get a Simply Safe home security system. You know, the founders of Simply Safe, Chad and Eleanor Lawrence, designed their first security system in their kitchen, and they did it for a very personal reason. Their friends had just had their home broken into, and they're struggling to find a security system that was simple to set up and make them feel safe again. I've talked about how uh, I've had friends who I've seen wrestle with their security system at night before they go to bed and just say, ah, whatever, because <laughs> there's like too many menus and buttons and beeps and this and that. So Simply Safe works really well, but it's really simple to use. Now, a whole bunch of organizations have called Simply Safe 
flat out the best security system you can get for your home. Not like for a lower end one. No, no, no. It's not going to cost as much. It's easy to use, but it's just great. All you have to do is take about two minutes to customize your system on the website. When you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, it'll come to you uh, designed for your home in in about a week or so. It's going to take you 30 minutes to set up yourself and then fire, burglary, medical emergency, or just help setting up the system so easy to get to. So go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong today to customize your system and get a free security camera. Yep. Right now you get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial. So there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Um, let's hear the back and forth just a little bit uh, from Peter Ducey and Joe Biden yesterday. That'd be clip 40, if you would, there, Michael. Why did the president say, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask? Let me repeat. Let me repeat. If you are fully vaccinated... You no longer need to wear a mask. Yeah, he said it a week ago, and now we're wearing masks. Quickly, Jonah Goldberg on the masking idea from yesterday. That's 45. I have to say I'm infuriated by all of it. Um, I think that this is a terrible idea. It is... um, it is it is an example of how badly handled this has been, not just by government officials and local officials, but also big swaths of the American people. I know the media likes to focus on how there are Republican vaccine hesitant people out there, and statistically that's definitely true. But in pure number terms, the biggest problems with the unvaccinated or the vaccine hesitant are in major urban centers that didn't overwhelmingly vote for Trump by any measure. That's the point I wanted to make. Yes, a whole bunch of people that haven't been vaccinated are liberals, (laughs) and that's why we're wearing masks now. Armstrong and Getty.